Hey, Hey, beautiful beautiful souls. souls. Welcome to Mammology. We're your hosts, Natasha and Christina. We're two moms and best friends who birthed this pod baby to blow the lid off of the motherhood experience and rid mamas everywhere. Is that lonely? Am I the only one feeling this way? So join us every Wednesday in a new episode where we have candid conversations around motherhood, wellness, and so much more. Because being a mom is a huge part of who we are, but not all of it. We'll discuss hot topics, introduce you to awesome guests, and always sip a new drink to review and rate at the end of the show. Whether you want to laugh, cry, or take your own time out, we got you, boo. So this entire episode, I was telling you earlier, I felt like very self-conscious. Why? I thought I had bad breath right the whole time. <laughs> Because we're talking about bad breath and plaque. And, and then I'm like, oh, my God, like, I need to sip in my water or an Excel gum or something because <laughs> getting self-conscious here with all this gingivitis talk. I you didn't feel that way? Did you not see me grab my water and start chugging it when she talked about dry mouth? <laughs> but um, today's episode is really, really exciting because we have a very close friend of mine on the show, um, Dr. Ivana Orlovich. I'm going to say her name the way that it's supposed to be said, Orlovich. You will hear her say Orlovic, and she's just doing you all non-Serbs a favor and <laughs> saying it phonetically. Dr. Ivana Orlovich is a graduate from UCLA School of Dentistry, where she earned her Doctor of Dental Surgery degree. And since graduating from dental school, she has moved back home to Toronto and joined her mother in a private practice and works at Toronto Public Health as well. And she's super, super passionate about preventative dentistry and loves advocating for oral health practices. You will totally feel her vibe in this episode. Doing this episode, do you feel less anxious for Leo to go see his dentist? And maybe you, because I know that you feel a certain way about uh, going to see your dentist. You feel a little Mm. bit better or not? I mean, I I think I feel a little bit more prepared when it comes to starting Leo off and the transition of bringing him to the dentist. Mm -hmm. I think I have like my own issues with the dentist just because of one bad dentist um, out of the like 10 amazing ones that I've had. And you can't believe that this dentist is in the heart, like in the mid, like smack in the middle of Toronto. And so I thought he must be good. Tash, when I say I was in his office once a week, for months and months and months. Mm-hmm. And um, later I started going through the reviews and you would see that people would saying like the way he talks to his hygienist or whoever, like in front of me, it was so uncomfortable. I'm like, okay, it's not just me. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this dentist was the one that I did the most work with. It wasn't just teeth cleanings. It was like a whole bunch of other stuff that when I racked up all the bills, it came to like around $12,000. Yeah. It was complete pain the entire process. I'm so sorry. Yeah, the whole process, I would come, like Bobby would come pick me up. We'd, I remember we'd be on the subway and I would just be in tears from like the agony I was in. Every time he picked me up, my mouth was bleeding. I was in pain. Like it was oh supposed to be an hour at appointment and it would be three and Bobby would just be waiting for me. It was just horrendous experience and I couldn't get out of it because like we had a plan and set and I've already paid so much and to stop and then go somewhere else would cost so much money. So I just kept dealing with it until eventually by the end of it, I realized that he wasn't looking after a cavity I have and it ended up being like, oh, sorry, it's going to be a root canal now. And I'm like, I am here every week 
And now you're telling me I need to go get a root canal and pay an extra $4,000. And I never went back. Oh, well, yeah. I just dipped. And I still had other things to do. And I'm like, I can't. No. Like, it's too much anxiety. I'm done. And so, and before him, oh my God. You know when people say like, I hate the dentist. Like, yeah. I was talking to Ivana about mm-hmm. it. Like, how people don't like the dentist. I've never related to that. I'm like, what is the big deal? I love the dentist. I love going in, coming out with like, like a clean, fresh, like, yeah. and I looked at it like a spa. Feel for you. And I hope that you, your next dentist is one that is fantastic. Yeah. That's horrible. That's a mm-hmm. horrible experience. Yeah. Well, I did get a new dentist in the path mm-hmm. when I worked downtown mm-hmm. and he was absolutely lovely. Like right. just a short story is I remember when I was on maternity leave and Leo was like six months old or you had to go for your cleaning. And I would literally be like, I have no one to watch my son. Um, my husband's working. I'm on maternity leave. Like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, just my dentist would be like, just bring him. I actually got a cavity filled with like Leo being like four months old or six months old or whatever beside me. And this guy, this <laughs> God. <laughs> He was rocking, like moving the stroller back and forth, putting the soother back in my son's mouth while my mouth is open, filling my my cavity. Didn't feel anything. That is the dentist that you need. That was like above and beyond. I wouldn't expect a normal dentist to do that. We're on a mission, I think, to have you go back to those better days. (laughs) Like I want you to totally switch it up and just have really good memories about going to the dentist going forward. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. because Leo's going to be watching you (laughs) and picking up on your vibes, right? So So, may the floss be with you. (laughs) How long have I been waiting to drop that pun? (laughs) Weeks, maybe. Oh my God, the drink of choice. Okay, so we're drinking Scope mouthwash. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Boom. You're drinking. Drinking what you shouldn't. Probably one of the worst staining of your teeth <laughs> that you can put in your mouth. That is the beverage we're drinking today. What are we drinking, Tash? But hey, <laughs> this is mammology at yeah, the end of the like, day. Gotta stay on. true to ourselves, right? <laughs> so we are drinking an Australian Shiraz. It's called the Black Shook, but it's full bodied. It has dark cherry undertones. It's 1895 at oh. the LCBs and Shook is an informal way of saying hen or chicken in Australia, or the slang is woman, a mature woman. Anyways, um, do you want to just get into it? Yes. See you soon. Later. We're so glad that you're here with us. For all of our listeners who are listening with us today, can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes. Hello. And thanks for having me, girls. Um, So I, my name is Ivana Orlovic, and I've been a general dentist here in Toronto since 2018. I currently work for Toronto Public Health as well as a private practice dentist, and I see patients of all ages. Uh, Before becoming a dentist, I actually worked as a dental hygienist. So I've been in the dental field since 2008. Oh, wow. You've probably seen it all. Yeah, not to age myself. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to hit you up with the number one question that I saw all the time when I was Googling like toddlers and dental hygiene. And I want to know if this is a myth or not. And the question is, why do we have to care for baby teeth if they're just going to fall out anyways? Very great question. Uh, So baby teeth, also known as primary teeth, are extremely important for a child's health and development. 
There have been common misconceptions out there where many folks believe that baby teeth don't matter. So you'll hear many adults and grandparents say, oh, it's fine. These teeth are going to fall out anyway, right? Uh Well, primary teeth can tell us a lot about the future teeth. Um, They act as space holders for future permanent teeth. So if we lose them prematurely, they'll affect the eruption of the permanent teeth. So we shouldn't forget that these teeth also help children chew and speak and starting them off with good oral care will build good habits from a young age and it'll also protect their future teeth. So the drink of the evening <laughs> is mouthwash and I think <laughs> with alcohol or without? Yeah, <laughs> always. Zero alcohol only, please. Oh, no. <laughs> seriously? With mouth rinses, a lot of um, a lot of them contain alcohol, and when you have dry mouth, alcohol will dry it out even further, and that'll lead to bad breath. It also can increase cavities because we want to make sure that we keep our tissues moist. So try to avoid the alcohol-containing mouth rinses. I don't know. Okay, so moist mouth important. Very important, especially as we age. You'll notice with elderly, they take a lot of medications and those tend to dry out our mouth too. Christina's drinking some water. (laughs) I just realized that my mouth is super dry. (laughs) Got to keep it moist. (laughs) It's funny because one of the memories I actually have as a new mom is you coming over to my house. And I think Masio was like, I don't remember. Do you remember? Maybe he was like six months old and you asking me, like, oh, are you brushing his teeth? Or And I'm like, well, he has no teeth. And you're like, okay, but are you cleaning his gums? Mm-hmm. And I was so caught off guard. I'm like, no. And you were looking at me like dead in the eye. <laughs> like, are, but are you for real? Like, it's, it's, it's dental hygiene 101. And I'm like, well, I missed the class because I didn't know about um, moist mouth or cleaning a baby's gums mm-hmm. prior to yeah. patient. So I feel like there's a lack of information or – teaching behind it yeah. because when you think about when you leave the hospital there's like a laundry list of things like that you need to remember in order to like keep this baby alive but nothing is ever brought up about teeth that would be something that you would have to like actively go out and research Mm -hmm. and you're thinking of so many other things especially like the first three months or or whatever that teeth especially because they haven't come out yet It's just usually not a thought. No, it's always about teething. That's it. Right. Yeah, that's right. And infant care is so important. And unless you're actively seeking that advice, you wouldn't even think because here you are, you're so tired, you've just given birth, you know, you're so new to being a mom and you know, you finish breastfeeding, you're thinking, okay, this is the number one priority. I'm giving my baby nutrition, but then you don't really think you have to do anything else because you don't see any teeth in their mouth. And it's not so much about um, brushing at that point. But like I said, if you just use like a warm, damp, damp cloth and just wipe their gums because all that milk is going to sit there and it'll also cause bad odor, that's really helpful. And it's just something so simple that you can do at home. You're going to be wanting to do this with the gums as soon as the baby's born, because that's as soon as you're going to start feeding, right? Um, And then as soon as the tooth first tooth erupts, that's when you want to start using a tiny little baby toothbrush on there. Because even that single small baby tooth will start accumulating plaque just from feeds. 
And a lot of people, I'm just going to lead this into the next uh, issue is when should you first bring your child to a dentist, Mm -hmm. right? I have some children that don't come and see me until they're seven or eight years old. They've never gone to see a dentist, but what the Canadian Academy um, of dentists and American associate dental association recommend is that you actually go see your dentist um, as soon as the first tooth erupts or by their first birthday. And we don't only look at the teeth during these visits, right? We, we assess the gums, we assess their hard and soft palates, all their tissues. We check for tongue ties, which are so important for speech and development and feeding. So many people have issues feeding or not latching, and they don't realize that they're suffering from a tongue tie. Some hospitals I've heard, you know, they'll check for this, but not all of them do. So there are certain, you know, warning signs. And the sooner you just go for an assessment, the better. It's all about prevention. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, I don't think many people know that they're actually supposed to be going and bringing their child in that early. Um, But yeah, as soon as the first tooth erupts, technically, it also gets them used to it. Expect crying during that visit. Okay. You know, they're, they'll scream, they'll cry, totally normal behavior. And then over the years, they'll just get used to it. So when we're wiping the gums, are you suggesting the best would be like a clean cloth with warm water to wipe the gums? Yeah. Well, warm water is probably most comfortable. It really doesn't have to be anything fancy. And another use for the dish towel that's just damp and obviously clean, I would hope, um, you can use a cold uh, damp dishcloth for teething. It's a really great remedy. A lot of people will buy those toys that you stick in the freezer. And sure, those are fine, but they come at a cost. A cold dishcloth that's been thrown in the freezer for a few minutes does the trick just as well. And I remember like looking at all the different toothbrushes for the different ages, and there would be some that had like soft bristles, and then there would be some that were like plastic and hard. And I didn't, I never knew which ones to choose. So are the plastic and hard ones? Are they best for when they're younger or should we just avoid those? Yeah, thank you for bringing this up because this applies to patients of all ages. So we recommend using a soft or extra soft bristle toothbrush. That's it. You do not need a medium or hard bristle toothbrush to remove plaque. If anything, it's just going to wear away the gums and cause gum recession. Unfortunately, that's irreversible. And at that point, you need gum surgery if it's really bad. And if your teeth are sensitive, plaque is a really soft, um, it's it's soft, right? It, It grows on our teeth. It's bacteria. If it's soft, you can remove it even with just a toothbrush and water. Okay. And floss, you just need to dislodge it. It's when it hardens that it becomes tartar. And at that point, only a dental professional can remove it. But back to your question, only soft. And yes, they do come in different sizes. And that's based on child's age, based on the size of their mouth. So that's fine. But it should always just be a soft bristle toothbrush. There's so much out there. It's overwhelming. There's so much marketing. To be honest, more than half of those products shouldn't be on the market. And it overwhelms parents because oral hygiene doesn't have to be complicated. It's pretty simple. And if you speak to the right sources, they'll tell you just as much. What's your recommendation on an electric toothbrush? Um, Yeah. So what's your take on children and at what age should they be using that? And if there was a brand that you would feel comfortable mentioning? So... With children, I like to get them used to a manual toothbrush. There's different techniques. 
Um, and with a manual toothbrush, it does require a little bit more effort, but if they know how to use that, they're fine. The electric toothbrush is mostly if you can't get them to brush for as long, and there's a difference, right? We have the battery-operated toothbrushes and we have the electric toothbrushes. Sometimes the battery-operated ones, they spiral or oscillate in weird ways, and sometimes they're not very effective. They can also be quite abrasive if you're pushing too hard. So sometimes the fancier electric toothbrushes, they actually have a sensor. So if you push too hard, they'll stop working. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, you don't want to, you know, they can be pretty damaging. So Sure, they can use them. They're fun. At least they're brushing, right? I'm happy that they're brushing, but just supervise them and make sure they're not applying too much pressure and that they're actually removing the plaque that's there. I, like many probably, are not very good at being on top of flossing. However, I have a water pick and I enjoy using that. What are your thoughts with the two? Well, I'm happy you're using something. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Um, I want to separate this into child versus adult because for children, they don't have that manual dexterity developed. And once their primary teeth develop, they'll have 20 primary teeth. And it's usually in the back where they don't have spaces between their teeth. And that's where we most commonly see decay. And unfortunately, a toothbrush doesn't fit in that area. So for children, I, I really like to emphasize with the parents that they should be using floss picks and you should be using those every night. They're disposable. If they don't tear, you can reuse it and rinse it. But that's as far as childcare goes. Now with adults, you have regular floss, which you've probably seen, you know, the glide, the regular floss. And then for those who, again, have limited dexterity or really big hands or whatever it may be, you know, there's additional tools like floss holders, um, but flossing is just the way to go. And the reason I say that is if you can use it, um, it actually maneuvers between the teeth around the gum. You can actually, you know, maneuver it into the C-shaped motion, which we like our patients to do. Now, a water flosser is great. I love water flossers, but they're, the difference between flossing and, and a water flosser is, or a water pick is that a water pick kind of, it's, it's like a power washer, mm-hmm. right? So it sprays away all like, the, like some plaque and it kind of dislodges food particles, but it doesn't actually manually get in there like your hands would to dislodge some of that plaque. So I'd say if you're able to, in the areas that are easy to reach, use your floss, but then in the hard to reach areas, at least if you're using the floss, the water flosser is better than nothing. Okay. And one thing I want to add is don't be afraid of blood just because your gums are bleeding. Don't, don't think that they're bleeding because you're flossing. They're bleeding because you're not flossing enough or you're not brushing enough or you're not doing it properly. So if you find that you are brushing and flossing regularly and they're still bleeding, it may be time to switch up your technique or visit your dentist so they can maybe assess the situation and see if there's something else going on. Okay. I feel like I read somewhere that sometimes when your gums bleed, it's a sign of gingivitis. And that's exactly what it is. So gingivitis is gum disease and gingivitis is, it truly means inflammation of the gums. I'm not going to lie. I had messed up teeth when I was younger and my parents blessed me with the greatest gift that they could have ever given me. And it was braces. Mm. So now as a mom, I wanted to get your opinion on if baby teeth are the best predictors of what permanent teeth will look like, 
Or does genetics come into play with anything? Because then I need to start saving for the braces fund now because it's inevitable. (laughs) So great question. Um, Almost every aspect of your oral health is affected to some degree by your genes. Uh, So for example, the size and shape of your mouth and your bone structure is inherited. So some people have really narrow mouths. And if you look at their parents, you know, they usually take after one parent or a grandparent or or an aunt or relative. Um, but that being said, you know, for, so for example, crooked teeth, they're passed down from generation to generation. They can be okay. right, but they don't always have to be. Hopefully both parents don't have them. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, that being said, bad oral care habits from previous generations do not cause you to have bad teeth. So bad habits, you know, they can be inherited, but hopefully not. You can learn from your ancestors' mistakes. And as long as you're taking care of your teeth, bad oral hygiene and cavities, those usually aren't inherited. They can be in certain situations, but not always. And, you know, good oral hygiene will help your your teeth be the best that they can be, no matter what kind of teeth you inherit. But I do want to say, for example, my parents are Serbian. And they grew up there. They have a lot of hardware in their mouths. So my mom is a dentist. Uh, The water in in Serbia is not fluoridated. And the majority of people there, unfortunately, do have very weak and brittle teeth. Mm -hmm. And that lack of systemic water fluoridation, I believe, has a very serious impact. So, you know, I want to loop that in with the genetic aspect because my brother and I were both born here, exposed to fluoridated water from a very early age. And some will say, oh, yeah, it's because your mom's a dentist, but the quality of our teeth are completely different. And my brother and myself, neither of us have ever had a cavity. Not once, not on a baby tooth, not on a permanent tooth. So, you know, you can blame your genetics to a certain degree, but I wouldn't take it too far. Going based off of what you just said about the water content, all the myths perhaps that I'm seeing online about toothpaste that contains fluoride, the narrative now is don't give your kids toothpaste with fluoride in it because it's dangerous. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So let's start off with what fluoride is. So fluoride itself is a mineral that's found in soil, water, and various foods. And it actually has a really positive effect on the on our oral health because it makes our teeth more resistant to caries or, or decay, right? It, it can also help reverse cavities. It has that like mechanism of action, which is amazing. And it helps strengthen the enamel. It can also help decrease sensitivity. So the one thing when it comes to to fluoridated toothpaste, I like to separate it in age groups. So there are certain reasons why we don't recommend fluoridated toothpaste for children age zero to three. And if you think about it, children in that age category don't know how to spit properly, right? And so if they don't know how to spit, we don't want them swallowing all of that toothpaste on a regular basis. It can cause fluorosis and like a toxicity effect. If they have no cav- no cavities and if they're not high risk, like I said, a non-fluoridated toothpaste um, or even just, you know, a brush with some water on it will do the trick. When they reach three to six years, I like to recommend a fluoridated toothpaste starting at three and just about a pea size amount. Okay. And it needs to be monitored, right? Like the brushing needs to be monitored. 
And that localized effect of fluoride will have such a great effect on the teeth and it prevents cavities exponentially. There are numerous studies um, that you can find online very easily that promote this and, and its efficacy. It's really, really great. Um, and then there's a difference, right? There's a difference between localized fluoride and systemic fluoride. But in the dental office, we do recommend the toothpaste. And sometimes when, when a child comes in or even adults will apply the fluoride varnish which is a higher concentration of fluoride. And again, it helps remineralize the enamel, strengthens the tooth, and then they're good to go home, but just not eat or drink anything for 30 minutes. Like for those, for those that don't feel comfortable using fluoridated toothpaste, there's also a brand called X-Pure, that's P-U-R, Cario Paste. It's fluoride-free, but it contains xylitol. And xylitol also reduces dry mouth and helps fight cavities. So like I mentioned earlier, when we have dry mouth, it doesn't, we don't have saliva and saliva helps buffer a lot of food and bacteria from our mouth. So you're at a higher risk of cavities. So this will help counteract that. But overall, we do recommend fluoridated toothpaste. We had a follower ask, what is recommended to care for gums other than floss? Um, They're coming from a family of bad gums. I'll, I'll cover a couple of them. So flossing is great if your teeth are nice and tight, right? Because floss itself is thin. If you have these massive gaps between your teeth, floss is essentially doing nothing in there. So depending on the area, you know, our oral hygiene instruction is very patient specific. So if you have some minor gaps between your teeth, sometimes we, uh, I don't know if you've seen these, you can go to the grocery store and it's a little overwhelming, but there's these little Christmas tree looking brushes. They're called Proxa brushes. They have a little holder. There's also gum soft picks that you can kind of use like toothpicks, but please, whatever you do, do not use toothpicks because they're wooden and they can split and they can split into your gums and cause infections. And I see this all the time. So please don't use toothpicks. Moral of the story here. Um, Yeah, so Proxa brushes are great and they come in different sizes depending on the space between your teeth. And like I said, for those that have limited dexterity, we can use floss holders or those floss picks as well. Uh, the, The water flosser is great for those people who have crowns and bridges and areas that are really hard to access. Um, also around implants, it's great. So it really depends on what's in your mouth. Very patient specific, but we have an array of, um, of, of tools that we recommend. I feel like we need to make that an audio clip and play it for every old European man. <laughs> yes. It's so true. Perfect. Like I just got a vision of like all of them sitting my on grandparent, a- my grandfather's. Right? Just toothpicks all day long. Let's let's do a, another follower question. My 14-month-old grinds his teeth a lot and it sounds like clicking. What can I do? So the clicking I'm not sure about because that could be brought on by various reasons. Um, you know, whether it's his temporal mandibular joint, meaning, you know, closer to his jaw or whether it's the teeth themselves that are clicking, that's something that would require an assessment. At 14 months, you know, it's unfortunate that he's grinding, but we, you know, it would be good to figure out why. Why is he grinding that young and hoping that, you know, there's not too much damage to the teeth in addition to, you know, that, that puts a lot of strain on the cheeks and the muscles too. So definitely good to go and get checked out in person to see what's going on clinically. Wouldn't soothers kind of help with someone that's grinding their teeth or because they're sucking rather than grinding? Potentially. 
So sucking on a thumb or a pacifier, it can make babies feel secure, calm, comfortable, right? Like many young children also find that these habits help soothe them and help them fall asleep. Um, But once the permanent teeth come in, and if these habits are still a part of a child's life, they can cause problems with proper growth and development of the jaws, the mouth and the teeth. Um, And it can also affect the roof of the mouth negatively. So if you think about it, that constant pulling, pushing, um, and, you know, that sucking motion that's causing the pacifier to push against those structures as well will affect the growth and development. So typically, we like to stop these habits by the time between the ages of two and four. That's when we'll notice that, like, you know, you really want to try to wean off because, A lot of the times, if it continues, you will see some effects and then some interventions will be needed. And I just want to talk about like a couple of ways that you can help your child discontinue these habits because people are like, okay, well, that's all great and dandy, but how do I do this at home? Right. So, you know, you may want to praise them for not sucking, praise them for not using a pacifier, maybe make up a story about how the pacifier needs to go visit a baby because only babies use pacifiers, you know, whatever works, you know, how children are, they like their stories. And so, you know, if it's an older child, you may want to involve them or like him or him or her in choosing the method of stopping, like how they're going to stop. Because sometimes when they have that autonomy, they feel a lot better about making that decision because they feel like they're in control instead of just being told and nagged what not to do. And then also, you know, Your dentist can offer encouragement to your child when they go in for their visits and explain what they could do um, and what can happen if they don't stop sucking. Just, you know, not to scare them, but sometimes they tend to listen more to someone that's not their parent. So these are all little things and tips and tricks to try at home if you notice that your toddler or little one isn't isn't stopping. Yeah, that's a really important one because my child had a dentist appointment today and they said that they noticed a little bit of tilting because of this pacifier use, she had said, as did you, to pay attention to it and, and stri- try to start ending the pacifier use like before the age of four. So I'm like, okay, so now- It's true. And the, th- the fact that they're already tilting, if he keeps doing it, they're just going to keep tilting and he's going to keep shifting that entire t- top part of his palate forward. Right. So then he's going to have like these teeth come out what's called like an overjet, like quite a few millimeters on top of his lower teeth. And that's usually when we're like, okay, maybe in the future he'll need braces. Right. So it's all about trying to prevent that. It's also, it it also has a big psychological component too, which, you know, isn't really my realm, but, you know, just trying to soothe them in different ways, really trying to break those habits. I know it's hard, yeah. but it, it's, it's, it's tough, but it's necessary. And then same with, you know, sippy cups or training cups, you know, your toddler should be moving on from the breast or bottle between 12 and 24 months, ideally. Okay. And really be careful when you're choosing these sippy cups, okay. Marketing on Instagram and Facebook or whatever it is, even when you go into the store, they have all the variety of sippy cups, but think about why are you using a sippy cup? Why do you buy one? It's supposed to be a transition, right? But a lot of these sippy cups, they have a vacuum and how do you drink from it? You have to suck from it but we're trying to veer from sucking onto sipping. So they're not even being, they're not even acting as a sippy cup ultimately. 
So the way you want to actually, what you, what you want to look for is something that has two handles that they can hold because we're trying to transition to them to drink out of a normal cup, right? And something that just has like a valve or something that they can sit from specifically and with a closed lid. And ultimately, like just promote them drinking from an open cup, like big deal. They spill the water, like better than having other dental issues or having cavities on their teeth, right? So it's just a matter of training them. And the the sippy cup stage I'm noticing is lasting too long for parents Mm -hmm. because I think they're trying to keep their area, you know, secure. Um, But it really shouldn't be lasting more than maybe like six to eight months. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then they should be able to drink from a cup. And, And you can help them, right? Like give them some water from a cup. It can be half full. But that sipping action is what we're trying to develop. And like drinking from a straw, that's fine. You know, they're developing their, their cheek muscles, their sucking muscles, their tongue muscles, but that shouldn't be the primary way, right? Like we're trying to diversify their oral cavity. I was going to go into the whole thing where we're like hype around all these new trends. And I remember you telling me, I'm like, oh, Ivana, I'm, I'm doing like a charcoal like whole toothpaste thing. And again, like at another visit, she just like paused and looked at me and she's like, right. So... <laughs> I love it when I can be brutally honest with family, but I have to tiptoe right around a lot of other people in my life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like most of my patient patients, they'll voice that they want whiter and brighter teeth. It's all they want, right? Like they'll completely negate that they've got all these cavities, but they're like, Oh, well let's whiten. That's priority. <laughs> so, you know, when it comes to teeth whitening, you, you'll see all these different methods, right? You'll see, Social media ads talking about oil pulling or the charcoal toothpaste, or even some people even use fruits to whiten their teeth. Like you'll hear of all sorts of fads. For example, as great as uh, as fruits are for you and like a part of a well-balanced diet and they're filled with nutrients, you're not going to, you know, I have people who are like swishing lemon uh, lemons around in their mouth all day because of the acid and they find that it has really nice whitening properties. And it's like, well, that's a constant acid attack on your teeth. Same with sipping on lemon water all day, right? Because that's acid that you're sipping on all throughout the day. And each acid attack lasts 30 minutes. But how many lemons do you have in there? I just have a... It's not about the quantity. Oh. It's not about the quantity. So if you're going to have lemon water, you want to be drinking it all at once. So if you're going to have a glass, have a glass of lemon water rinse your mouth out with some water and then continue about your day. If you're sipping a, uh, sipping on it all day, every day, your, your teeth are going to become extremely sensitive because it causes erosion of your enamel and your enamel doesn't grow back. So that's what I have to say about that. But then other people will also use baking soda and other abrasives to brush their teeth thinking like, oh no, it makes them so white. Well, the issue with that is that enamel is what you're trying to whiten. And when you're brushing it away, you're actually getting closer to the next layer of your tooth, which is the dentin, and that's actually yellow. So you're harming, you're you're using these abrasives and you're wearing down your enamel for no reason, thinking that you're making them whiter. And they would so if and would it make it more look more yellow because of the dentin that you're you're brushing away the enamel and then it's yellow underneath anyway? Eventually, yes. Eventually, yes. So, you know, even with the famous charcoal myth. Right. So, you know, you're scrubbing your teeth with these ingredients. um, And the fact is that there's actually no evidence that shows that these products are safe or effective for your teeth. 
So they're really abrasive. They'll wear away at your enamel. So if you're actually really willing to whiten your tooth, whiten your teeth, you can use, you know, FDA approved toothpaste for whitening specifically, clean your teeth properly, brush twice a day and floss. And if you really want to try whitening, I re recommend it being under dental supervision in a dental office, you know, where you're going to have, you know, the take-home trays, which are made by your dentist or the Zoom whitening, whatever you end up doing in a, in a clinical setting. Don't do things on your own. I've seen all sorts of marketing things out there, like some pens that people put on. And I don't know what's in those. Like it's, it, it's kind of scary and they, they hire these models and, you know, none of this is really verified by anyone. So just be careful with what's out there. Cause it's really easy to give into it. Um, but yeah, regular visits to your dentist will help with that too. Just keep in mind that if you want to whiten your teeth professionally, um, if you have fillings or crowns, they're not going to change color. So you're going to have to replace those to match your natural tooth. Okay. What's if someone like we're as moms, we're coffee drinkers. What's if I started drinking coffee through a straw, would it bypass my enamel and just go straight into my stomach? And like, we're all good. I get my caffeine fix. My teeth stay white. Same with wine. Can I drink wine through a straw? Yeah, you'll notice a lot of areas um, or a lot of substances, right? Like wine, coffee, cheese. Teas I find actually stain more than coffee, even certain foods. Um, now we're sure I've heard, you know, mixed reviews regarding the drinking through a straw. But if you think about the action of drinking through a straw, it's still going to come in contact with the back surfaces of your teeth, which is actually where we see most of our stain anyway. People are so hyper aware of the outside of their teeth and they're always brushing them properly. But then you open and you'll notice that most of the stains actually on the inside. The nice thing about those stains, though, is that um, those are called extrinsic stains. So those can actually be removed if you go see your hygienist regularly. They can clean those. But with chronic coffee, uh, coffee drinking and all that, you can get some, you know, more yellowing of the teeth. And in that case, yes, you know, whitening for certain people is more recommended because cleanings can only do so much. If you're pregnant, is there certain toothpaste that you should be aware of to not use or I think I wasn't allowed to use white any type of whitening when I was pregnant because I remember I wanted to because they contain you know different chemicals and hydrogen peroxides or depending whatever the active ingredients are it's just not safe because regardless of how much you're not ingesting it you know we don't want to take risks with pregnant women um, the main thing with pregnancy and hormones and oral care is uh, you really want to be diligent with your home care because there's something called pregnancy gingivitis and it's ultimately, you know, higher inflammation of your gums because you're pregnant. Mm. And so if you're diligent with your home care, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll probably notice more bleeding in the, these situations, but you really, really want to be diligent with your home care and visiting your dentist for your cleanings at that time in terms of avoiding products, like just, you know, regular toothpaste and floss is fine. Like that's what we want you to use. Things that aren't really essential, I would just steer clear of just for peace of mind. So she said, my kid just turned two. And while we brush twice a day, I definitely dropped the ball and he hasn't been to the dentist yet. <laughs> Funny face emoji, terrible question mark. I can relate to this. I think I've been avoiding the dentist myself. So then I've avoided to send my son to the dentist. However, in light of this 
recording today, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to book him an appointment so I can go into this saying that his first dentist appointment is booked. So what can I do to prep him for his first appointment and appointments afterwards? I I just want to say, you know, preface this question with don't feel bad. You're not a bad mom for not taking your child in. Um, Like I said, many people don't even know that they're supposed to. Um, So I'm happy, you know, whoever ends up listening to this, that they know that they should go if they can um, early and that they have that knowledge, because I feel like that's not really common knowledge. And so you shouldn't feel bad for that. But now that you know, I expect you to go. (laughs) So um, in order to, you know, it's new, it's a, it's a new environment for the child, they're likely to be scared. I really see such an array of children. Some of them are so excited to just hop in the chair. They, they have so much fun with it. And some of them are crying, you know, there's, and then there's all the stuff that can happen in between. I think as a parent, before you go in, you can maybe even show them some YouTube videos about brushing, counting. There's this one with Elmo, depend, you know, there's there's various things. You can even show them what, the, what a dental office looks like with Google images, like this is a dental chair and, you know, this is a dentist she wears or she or he wears their mask, just because it can be kind of traumatizing, that white cope syndrome, right? Like they see a mask or they see goggles and the person's all covered up, especially now with all the COVID protocols, right? Like it can be quite frightening for children. So I feel like that desensitization before they go in from you um, is really important because then they're a little less fearful. And then once they come in, we do the same thing and we're aware like, okay, it's their first visit. Sometimes we don't even do anything with their mouth. Sometimes we just take them for a ride in the chair and show them all the tools. And like we we do this thing called um, tell, show, do. So we'll tell them about it. We'll show them what it is. And then they'll actually maybe get to like touch something so they feel in control and they're not as scared um and then you know we'll be like oh let's count your teeth like really like slow basic step by step and if we don't get to anything that first visit you shouldn't feel bad the child shouldn't feel bad it's totally normal but that exposure long term will really you know lead them lead them up for success in the future and a question actually i did i still don't know are you supposed to seek a dentist that specializes with kids or can you just go to any dentist? No, uh, you can go to any dentist at all. And, uh, sometimes depending on the behavior and depending on the complexity of the work, if there is any, then it's the general dentist, you know, duty to assess the situation and see whether or not they recommend them, you know, to see a pediatric dentist. Um, because sometimes, you know, it's just a better setting for them. If they have, if they happen to need to get any work done, sometimes they sedate them if needed, um, just to make it as, you know, less traumatic as possible. That must be difficult. Like, I'm just thinking of the idea that a lot of people going to the dentist is essential and doesn't matter what race, where you live, like everybody needs to go to the dentist is something that everyone needs. But when you think about the majority of people don't want to go or are scared to go, and you can be the nicest, sweetest dentist in the world, but people might not want to come see you. Does that affect you at all? Because I've loved dentists, but I'm like, I don't want to see you today. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good question because 
I'd say a lot of my patients, they either come in and say, I hate that. That's how they start the conversation. I hate the dentist. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. <laughs> um, especially like in the beginning when I was just starting out, right? Like here you are and it's a stressful job as it is for many because you're not only sometimes a dental care provider, but you're sometimes equally a psychologist and people, for some reason, they like to unload on you too. Like sometimes they just want to talk and they open up and they build that rapport with you if they're seeing you on a regular basis. Um, But again, yeah, some people just like really can't stand going to the dentist. They go, they say, do whatever you got to do. Don't talk to me. And I just want to like, you know, get this over with. And then you'll have other people who just want to like talk the whole time. They're happy. They don't want to go. It's almost like a spa moment for them. (laughs) I've had people fall asleep in my chair. So you have all sorts of people, right? It's all, and you know, I, I think that a lot of it stems from their childhood experiences, which is, you know, dentistry, unfortunately, many years ago was pretty traumatic, right? Like they didn't really use anesthetic and they used to, you know, remove teeth like on people without anesthetic. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't that long ago. Like I know some parents, some parents of my friends who are my age who have these experiences. So they're traumatized, right? So I think that's why that desensitization in today's environment with today's dentists for young children is so important um, because it'll definitely, you know, make a big impact in their future oral health. Um, You know, they're going to want to keep going. They're going to be all about prevention. They're going to want, they're going to want to avoid cavities. So that exposure and those consistent six month visits are so critical. I, Wanted like almost do a whole episode of just hearing about like all the different things that you've seen during the span of your career because I'm sure you have some really really good stories. But that's follow up another day, I'm sure. (laughs) Thank you for having me. This was really really fun, and I hope the listeners enjoy it. And I hope I answered a lot of their questions. Kate, did you hear Ivana (laughs) in the episode? What? What? She said cool cool. I heard that. Did you? Yeah. You caught that, right? Yeah. I was like, yes, my girl. <laughs> no, she's like, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> she said like five times. She doubled up on the cool, cool. Yeah, she went hard. Yeah. yeah, we should definitely do this like once a year. Yeah. Or if things pop off, maybe do it as many times as you should go to the dentist. We're like, hey guys, guess what time it is? It's been six months. What that means. Right. It's a reminder for the dentist. Oh my God. It's like when your mom makes your dentist appointments for you. We could be that oh. for all of you. Your mom reminders to book your dentist appointments. That is the one thing that I really hate about adulting. Yes. If I could take back, if I can get anything from my childhood, I'm telling you, that would be it. Mm-hmm. Someone booking my appointments. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Yep. I hate it. I'll go to the dentist. No problem. Just book it for me. Just call them for me. Yeah. Schedule it in. I miss it. Even just like, you know, when you're leaving an appointment and you got to like book the next one or pay for something. (laughs) I miss just like standing at the counter, looking at the TV or something. Mm -hmm. Your mom deals with everything. Yeah. Your mom does all the small talk. Yes. We just look off. So what do you think about this black hen? Black chicken. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Uh, Black shook. I mean, it has like 50,000 awards on it. I always see that as a red flag. Like when mm. a bottle usually puts like the gold sticker award. I'm like, okay, bro. <laughs> this one has like 11, 11. gold I've stick- never seen so many gold stickers <laughs> in my life. Um, because like when I've had like really, really nice wines that I know have gotten 
incredible awards. Like none of them, none of it put it on there. They're modest. The, yeah, exactly. They're, They're not like, gloating. we don't need to, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a 7.2. Cock-a-doodle-doo. Oh, good God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it um, a 7.5. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So that's that. That is that. So that wraps up today's episode. We hope that you've gained a little bit of knowledge. Feel a little bit more at ease next time you book an appointment with your dentist. And we'll talk to you guys soon. That's it. That's it. Keep on smiling. (laughs) See you later, guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support our pod baby, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and leave us a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at mammology underscore co. Let us know if you're listening by taking a screenshot and tagging us. We'd love to say hi. Talk Talk next week. week.